Dawson, love, could you drop that beat to start another exciting and informative episode? Think before you love is the romantic truth podcast motto. Advisory. The content of this show is designed for listeners ages 18 and older due to the adult nature of topics and conversation. Please feel free to subscribe, like, share, follow, and listen on facebook.com slash romantictruth, Anchor, Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, CastBox, Podcast Addict, Breakers, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Deezer, or your browser. Be sure to share a link with a colleague, family member, or friend. Hi, I'm Natalie Brunswick, executive producer of the show along with Gina Aragon. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast with your host Jordan in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Now, Robert gave us the topic of our show today. It's about rejection. And I want to read you his email. He writes the following. I just started listening to your show yesterday. My brother hit me to you. He's been listening to you for a long time. My problem is rejection. I'm 36 years old and I still have a problem with it. I've always accomplished everything I set out to do, but when it comes to women, it seems like when I fall short, I almost fall apart. I'm not violent or anything like that, but one thing that does happen with me is that I go into a spiral of depression, a sense of worthlessness, a sense of feeling as though I can't accomplish anything. To make myself feel better sometimes, I will actually talk to a girl that I'm not attracted to, just so that I can get a make good, or get some kind of way of feeling better about myself. You talk about insecurities. Yes, I have many of them. But one main insecurity I have is rejection. I've talked to people about this, I've gone to therapy for it, but it's something that still sticks in the back of my head. My problem is I personalize it, and I know that's not healthy. But if you could, sir, could you please talk about this particular subject? I promise to keep listening to your show. I've already talked to my family, and they're tuning in too. Thank you so much. Respectfully, Robert, Pensacola, Florida. All right. And that's the reason why we're doing the show today. Robert, along with everybody else listening, the one thing you have to remember about rejection is something you've already pointed out in your email. It's not personal. We know when a person has a preference, even if you were another person and you fell within the same purview of not meeting that person's standards, you'd get the same result, the same treatment. It wouldn't change. Now, here's the thing that I would tell you. Being out in a dating scene for 30-plus years, back in the day, I can't tell you how many times I've been rejected. You know, I journaled my dating escapades for the first 10, 15 years. 
And this is how I'm able to remember things so well because I go back and read them before I actually go on air with it. And I will tell you this, sir. You never get used to it. You become numb from it. Because the problem for many of us, especially as men, we're used to being achievers. We're used to meeting deadlines. We're used to accomplishing things. But things that are within our control, believe it or not. The problem we have is that the approval of a woman is not in our control solely, is it? So this is one of the things that we as men have issues with. So we kind of feel incomplete when we don't kind of uh, get the girl we want or get that second date. But here's what you have to do. You have to detach yourself from that. And I'm sure your therapist has already told you about this and not personalize it so much. Because if you personalize rejection, it will drive you crazy. Think about these women who get rejected for the first time and they can't let go. No, they got to have the last word. They got to get to that boyfriend or that ex or that guy that they went on the first date with and liked that he didn't like. She wants to know answers. And that can be very difficult at times because what happens, it may get to a point where things may not measure up like they're supposed to. So the person may have a reason why they don't want to be with that person but not tell them because they may feel as though it's too hurtful for them to reveal it so they conceal it. Women are very good at this when they reject a guy. They will usually say something like, well, you know, I have to go find myself. I need some time alone. What they're saying, in essence, they need some time alone away from you. You know who they want. Now, why does this come about and how does it come about? It comes about because the person may feel as though you don't meet the criteria that they're looking for. And so therefore they could have a better option, better choice. And being that they have so many choices, you may look at yourself, may only have five choices in women. She may have 20 in men. So you're outnumbered there. However, the thing is, she is less likely to be disappointed if she shows interest in a guy, because the guy will definitely more than likely come and try to be with her. And of course, for some women, they've never been rejected before. And so what happens then, they personalize it. And this when it becomes a problem. Now, there are some people that are deliberately out there dating just to reject people because that's how they make themselves feel better. Yeah, we have narcissists that do it all the time. Cutting someone down, that shows them that they have an assertion of power, control over someone. That's why they do it. Ladies, there are men that will not walk up to you 
not because they're intimidated by your physical presence. It's because they don't want to face the rejection, but they'll laugh at another guy that tries to talk to you and gets rejected. That's like his security blanket and his affirmation to say, I'm glad I didn't talk to her. Look what happened to him. Now, <clears throat> another thing. Men may not know how to process rejection. Let's look at two common archetypes. One, the son who had everything, who moms never said no, and dad always made provisions for him to have things, even if he had a dad around. So this kid becomes spoiled. And with this spoilage, he tries to make it where his whole environment throughout his existence is padded like that where he's spoiled. So this means that he gets a group of activists around him, friends, advocates, that may more or less become like his uh, entourage. And why he wants these people is to protect him and protect him based on the sensitivities that he has. Usually these guys will go for women to do that for them. They have plenty of female friends because if something doesn't go his way, he has someone to fight his battle that's in the same gender. Yes, ladies, there are men like that. They're just that petty. Now, there's another thing, too. There's another group of guys out there who can't process rejection at all. You don't tell me no. And these people may resort to violence at times. Because not only do they take it personally, they feel as though you, being the person who rejected them, maliciously intended for them to feel bad about themselves. And so therefore they look at it as a situation where it was already scripted. And this is a bad thing because what happens with them at that point, they got to get even. And so it's gone past uh, wanting to love you, wanting to be with you, to anger. Now, an extreme form of this, a guy gets rejected, and you've seen this on many of these crime shows, where the guy doesn't take no for an answer and he winds up sexually assaulting a woman. These are people that cannot process rejection. But they fail to look at it as an opportunity, being that the person rejected you, take that rejection, move on. Because it's an opportunity to tell you, you know what? I would have been in a horrible relationship had I been with that person. I'm thankful I'm able to move on to better pastures. And I know you're saying, hey, that's just a way of coping with it. True enough, but here's the thing. There's some men that are triggered by the initial rejection just from talking to them. We're not talking about being on a date, but just actually 
talking to a lady because some of them are stuck with anxiety. They're nervous, self-conscious. A lot of women are like that too. And of course, this is the reason why men and women use backhanded compliments to try to get into a conversation with people. They may have an inferiority complex. This person may be too good for me, et cetera, et cetera. And they'll give them a backhanded compliment. Oh, you'd look nice if that dress was two sizes too short. Because in that way, he got her attention and he's got her feeling like he does about himself. He doesn't feel good about himself, so I'm going to make her doubt how good she feels about herself and then she'll talk to me. That's the way some guys do it. Some of you ladies. When you want to be mean to a guy, you come and tell him something like, well, I only date guys that are 5'5 five, five and taller. You look like you're 5'3. Insult a man, usually, about his height, his hairline, and his penis size. Those are usually the three. And the latter, she doesn't know anything about because she hadn't had sex with him. But she's trying to make him feel small. Trying to hurt him that way. Now, here's the other thing. It's unfair. I got rejected by a lady one night and her girlfriend came over and she said, I'm so sorry with, by the way she did you. She was drunk. She had been drinking. And I'm like, no, you don't need to make any excuses. She didn't want me around her. I could accept that. You sure? I'm like, yeah. And she was trying to do damage control for her girlfriend and I told her, I said, when are you going to grow up and be a woman and quit making excuses for grown women? She thought about it for a minute, became very defensive. What do you mean? That's my friend. No, you're her fool. She could stand on her own two hind legs and apologize. She didn't do it, no problem. Now, she thought for a minute, I thought for sure when she left the table, I wouldn't see her no more for the rest of the night. So the women got to talking at the table, and there were guys they were dancing with off and on. But the one friend that came over and talked to me, she came back about an hour later. And she said, do you mind if I sit with you? I said, no, that's fine. She said, you seem to be easy to talk to. And she was wiping the tears from my eyes. And I said, what's wrong? They started telling me drama that they had. The woman owed her money and hadn't paid her. And I said, so what that would have meant is that she's looking for somebody that's got money. And she started looking at me and she was like, she does have a problem with shopping. 
And then I just told her, I said, you know, what this means is that I've benefited from her rejecting me. And from her rejection, I met you. And you seem to be of sound mind. We wound up talking for about three hours the rest of the night. Her girlfriends got upset because she wasn't coming back with them. They danced with the guys, but they were all grouped up together. Well, what it came down to, after talking with her that extended period and we exchanged numbers, and we had scheduled a date. All of the women at that table with that one lady who rejected me, hated her cut, hated her guts on the down low. <clears throat> she would borrow money and never pay it back. She would always have excuses. But no one really made her become accountable or responsible. And their entourage used to be larger than that until women started realizing they were being used. Well, that night, when she brought up money with her, they had some words. And she couldn't stand to be around her. She didn't have a way home that night because she had ridden with one of the girls there. And they had a falling out because these people were ardent defenders of her. So I gave her a ride home. We sat in our parking lot, talked for about 30 minutes. And she invited me in. We had coffee and we talked. And she was telling me about the whole thing, what was going on. Now, she had a nice place. It was modest out there in Westchester, California. It was modest. Nothing special, nothing elaborate. And I asked her, I said, why are you hanging around with women like those? Well, you know, I went to high school with them, and they're my friends. And I said, what are they holding you back? She didn't want to answer that question because she knew it was true. They were holding her back. And then she started talking about the men that old girl had rejected. And she would talk about how nice they were and how handsome they were and what they had. But what she was looking for was somebody that was going to be a benefactor, someone that was going to be codependent. Now, the interesting thing was this. I left that night. I heard from her, I think, I don't know what day I was during the week. She asked me, what's I doing? I said, well, I'm getting off work and probably just getting ready to go and get some dinner somewhere. She said, where are you going? I said, Spanish kitchen on the on the Cienega. She said, okay, good. So I went there, had drinks. And by the way, Spanish Kitchen, they have good drinks. And so I went there and uh, sat down and talked. And the conversation was about getting to know her. Forget about her girlfriend. Well, we did that for a while. And during this time, they had pagers. We all had pagers. And her pager was blowing up. And she said, and I said, oh, that's your boyfriend? She said, oh, no, that's her. And I'm like, damn. She called about nine or ten times. And then finally she said, excuse me, let me let me go and answer this. So she went on. 
how and she got into a little high-pitched argument with her what had happened she had lost her job the lady had lost her job because creditors started calling the job supervisor had told her about this numerous times let her go she was hysterical trying to find a place to stay and old girl finally cut the apron strings she came back we talked for some more and then we went over to her place and we had a nice evening if you know what I mean but now here's the interesting thing after we had our fun she said you know I never thought I would ever find anybody because old girl used to always tell him that they were ugly they weren't as fine as she was they weren't this and they were always trying to kind of measure up to her standard until she started to realize hey I'm under no obligation to be around her she's my friend but why is she so much in my space but what it came down to she was so used to feeling down with this woman back in high school she tried to hang with her as a groupie and in her adult life she was still in that place and she see that she she had to see that she had she hadn't grown any and when she started to realize that she had a whole different appreciation about who she was but the only way she could have done it was through that incident that night where she actually saw what it was now you know I had to ask her I said you know you didn't have to come over to my table and apologize on behalf of your girlfriend she said no I did that because I liked you and I didn't want to say anything that's cool that's so cool the funny thing about it old girl got an adjunct professor's job at NC State North Carolina State and she was so sad about leaving I said no you need to go take it and she went on and took it she worked at several community colleges in California but she couldn't get the traction she wanted in their education as far as her job so it was cool I was a little shaken up by it because I really liked her but you know I didn't want to be a roadblock in her life sometimes it's hard for us not to be that roadblock when we start becoming selfish about the person we want we'll talk more in a minute Now, the proverbial question about rejection is, why do we get rejected? There's a plethora of reasons. There's not just one specific reason. Now, let's look at some of them. It could be the way you look. It could be your height. It could be your weight. It could be the way you're built. It could be that you physically remind 
someone of a, someone that they were with in a bad relationship. It could be the fact that you may have children. It could be the fact that you are too ugly. It varies. <clears throat> because, see, rejection falls in line with our preferences. If a person doesn't measure up to our preferences, we automatically reject them by default. That's like a filter. Look at it this way. If you're rejected by a person, think of it like being on a dating app and being filtered out. They've unchecked your box. But not just you personally. It could be people who are like you. I remember one time, there was this lady that I wanted to talk to out at UCLA when I went out there to visit. And I just met, it was a chance meeting. And at that time, UCLA had a screenwriting class that I wanted to take. And I saw her going to the same building in the same room. And I'm like, cool. Well, after that was over with, I just asked her her name. And before I could get, you know, what's your name out of my mouth, she said, oh, I don't date black guys. Well, alrighty then. I could deal with that. I could accept it. Not a problem. And I was going to take the class, and I found out that I could still take the same class of better quality at AFI, American Film Institute. They were offering these seminars, workshops, and I went there. Guess who walks through the door? She does. Interestingly enough, this time around, she spoke. It was rather cozy. Not one in a relationship or anything, but like, hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I saw you at UCLA. I remember you. Like, yeah. You know, I was having a bad day that day. I'm really sorry. No problem. No harm, no foul. It was months later. I didn't care. But here's the thing. She was so desperately trying to become a writer in Hollywood. During that time, there were only a few screenwriters that were making pretty good money as far as with the major studios. I just wanted it as a hobby, not something I'd make a living with because <laughs> good luck with that. And she was really serious about it. And she was telling me all the people she met and all of this stuff. But here's the thing. I looked at it from the standpoint Okay, I had an interest in you to possibly have a relationship. That interest is gone now because you said no. So what are we going to do here? Be chat buddies or what? And of course, when I conveyed that to her, she's like, oh, well, we could be friends. I said, well, I can't be your friend to someone that does not date black men. So we, we can't be friends, really. She's like, really? You're that anal? Well, I'm just being accountable. 
why would I want to be with someone, even as a friend, that has an issue with the very thing I am? No, thank you. Well, she thought she'd have an attaboy pat on the head. I attended a few of the courses and I left. Well, they were really workshops. We didn't have to register or nothing like that, but it was cool, learned a lot. But here's the thing that got me the most. I started running into this through a period of time where I got the old, I don't date black guys thing. I even got that from black women at one point. Now, I'm done with you brothers. And I'm like, really, what did I do to y'all? No, no, I, I just don't deal with brothers. All right. And I wasn't going to try to convince them or persuade them. But I did ask this one lady, why not? And she went down a laundry list of things, and all of those had to do with bad experiences she had with black men. And she said, now, don't try to persuade me any different. I said, oh, no, I won't do that. Because what you've experienced was something valid that you made an assessment on. can't argue that. I didn't live your life, so I wouldn't know. Now, a lot of other brothers would have probably shot her down for that. I didn't. And she said, well, you probably don't like black women. I said, I like every type of woman. There's no problem as far as race. Is she a good woman? That's what I look at first. That's what's important to me. And of course, she sarcastically rolled her eyes and said, yeah, right. But this is what you run into sometimes. And as men, we run into this a lot. When we get that attitude, that's the reason why I tell you guys, she gives you attitude, you just exit. Don't even bother talking to her. You don't need to. You're wasting your time. And even if she was to soften up underneath that hard shell she's trying to project, what kind of woman do you really have? You see, they got it the opposite. Some women that have this attitude a gentle woman is soft first, and then she hardens if she has to, as many of you ladies do. A woman with an attitude hardens first, and then you have to soften her up. These are the women that say, oh, you can't handle me. Well, I shouldn't have to handle you. You're not a fucking animal. To give you that challenge. It's not a pissing contest. We're supposed to be trying to have some sort of dialogue where we could have a relationship or at least date. But you're sitting up here trying to act like you today, a man. Now, there's another thing you'll run into, guys, as well. You'll run into the lady who is looking for the manly man. Now, as we know, all of us men are not the manly man. We're not walking around with our damn axe over our shoulder, wearing blue jeans, Doc Martin boots, and cutting logs and shit. But that's the representation of manhood as she sees it. It could be that her dad was like that, 
Hell, it could be that she liked Paul Bunyan. Who knows? But the one thing to keep in mind with something like this is it's usually a caricature of a man that she wants, not a real man. Even though she says a real man. He's a real man until she gets to that insecurity and he puts hands on her. Then all of a sudden he's brutal, he's this, he's that. And sometimes people don't realize that that is actually an insecurity when they started all that macho prowler shit. See, a manly man doesn't have to do that. There were plenty of guys that I knew in the Marine Corps that were like that. One guy was a Navy SEAL, former SEAL, that went back in the Marine Corps. And he used to crack me up. He said, yeah, the reason why I went back in the Corps after getting out of the Navy, he said, I just wanted to have that trident on my chest in a Marine Corps uniform. And he was nuts. But he was a good dude, though. But guess what? He didn't have to walk around proving himself as a Navy SEAL every time we go out, party. He didn't have to be macho man. And he would pull ladies like you wouldn't believe. And he was the guy that just sat there in the corner and didn't say nothing. The women would come to him. But see, that's the thing. When you're confident, that's what a woman looks for. She's not looking for a caricature of a man. That woman that's looking for that caricature, she's still living in the world of make-believe. I can't tell you how many professional women I knew back in the 90s that started dating thugs. That was a big thing for them. Because thugs were popular at that time. Tupac was around. These women, they, they didn't want no one now. They wanted a thug. I had plenty of my friends get rejected by the man. She ain't even looking at me. She said that I ain't hard enough. I said, so what you gonna do? Sag your pants, wear some Jordans, put your hat on backwards to try to fit in? Well, it looks like that's what the women want. And he did it. Still got rejected because then they looked at him as a wannabe. The key to rejection is this, is to accept it. Not to try to configure yourself to be someone that's likable or accepted. And we spend a lot of times in our lives trying to be liked by people. And with that, we forget who our identity is. You don't need to be a chameleon. You can just be yourself not had it to worry about. It's much easier. Trying to take on that hardcore persona. Trying to be something you're not like some of those rappers were back in the day. Talking about how hardcore they was and all this other shit about, you know, doing this with the police or doing that. They were all about making money. They weren't fucking with that street life. It wasn't them. And sometimes we get carried away in the fantasy. 
And the problem is, many of these women, they will see that and say, I want that. And so what are these guys going to do? They're going to comport themselves to feel that obligation. So these women will see that and be with that. I tell you, ladies, if you ever took the lead in a relationship, trust me, you know how you complain about these guys being thugs, uh, being deadbeats and all these other things? If you quit sleeping with them and raise your standards, if you told men that I don't date anyone without a college degree and you have one, Guess what these men are going to do? They're going to take their asses to school to get that qualification in order to date you. But being that the bar is so low now that you're willing to take a dude who doesn't have a job, who's in arrears on child support, and you hiding them out at your place so that they can't serve him the warrant. Hmm. Yeah. Now, another form of rejection, dudes, is if you get punked. There's some women out there that want to punk you. They want to feminize you. And the reason why they want to do this is they want to kind of put you in your place and see if you bite, like a simp, simple, impotent male prototype. And if you're willing to comport yourself to their demands, they know they got you. And you're happy because now you're in good graces with her and she's letting you take her on dates and all this other shit. You haven't won a prize. What you've won is an obligation to marginalize yourself, to be somebody's fool. And they test you on that. They're testing you to see whether or not you're indeed a man or you're a boy. See, once a woman realizes it's very easy to manipulate you, she's going to do just that. And she's going to make you so sensitive about your insecurities that she can guide you in any direction she wants. There was a lady out of Chicago, and uh, I was looking at a YouTube video, and she's 38. And she was talking about simps, talking about weak men. There was a whole bunch of women on the panel. And the one lady said that she had a dude that was so afraid of being rejected by her. He was taking her to the movies, buying her clothes, stealing shit in order to appease her. Dude didn't have a job. Robbing people on the street so that he could keep up with her demands. And she said one time she just wanted to see how far she could use her power with him. And they were talking about weak men. She said, one night we were sitting at my house and she said, my friend was gay. And she said, don't you know, I talked that dude into sucking that dude's dick in front of me. And she said, I knew then I had the power. He was afraid of disappointing this woman. 
he was weak and more than likely he probably had an upbringing where he never ever was in a position to make decisions for himself. Probably a domineering mom gets with a domineering woman and he becomes subservient. And she was telling the ladies on the panel, she said, I can never respect him after that. After that, I, I quit letting him come over my house. I quit letting him get me things, buy me things. She said, I was done. Because I realized a man that week didn't need to be around me. And he's doing all this for pussy. Just like these stupid guys out there going killing dudes over pussy. It's not worth it. It's not. But he was afraid of being rejected. That was his problem. And he was willing to sacrifice his, his dignity. To save himself from rejection. I tell you folks. Insecurities and addictions are two things people will die on a hill for to protect. They will lie to protect it. They'll do whatever it takes to protect it. Because see, that insecurity they have is far deeper than any person can go in their lives. Because it's inside them. This comes with the package that you meet when you meet a person. We all have insecurities. There are some people that are anxious about those insecurities to a point where they don't want anything to come close to exposing that. More in a moment, folks. Now, I want you to think of one thing. Rejection is perceived by some people like failing an exam. But the problem with us as humans, especially here in America, we think we fail based on our personal will. You know, you hear people say, well, you know, if I had a gun, I'd do this or do that. But they never consider what if the person's a better shot than you? What if they have more ammunition than you do? What if they have the drop on you as far as positioning, where you have no cover and they do? We like to make grand assumptions when it's going to work to our favor. We love when it comes down to a situation where we win the victory. But what happens when things don't go so well? Well, there are a lot of things that happen. One, we make up excuses, right? To make ourselves feel better. Even though you tried talking to the lady and she said no, what does the guy do sometimes? He's not used to rejection. Oh, she's ugly anyway. Her pussy probably stank. Blah, 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 blah. They're going with this negative thing. Something that they would not have done in the initial stages with this woman. But they turn it around in order to make themselves feel better. You made me feel bad by tearing me down as they see it. I'm going to make you feel bad by classifying you less than I am. In other words, trying to cancel out the negative feeling. Now, the one thing about a rejected person, they come in all varieties. There are some who will not ever 
admit defeat. You know, it's like Kaiser Wilhelm in Germany after World War I. Even though they lost the war, he honestly believed Germany had won the war, just like Trump believes that he actually won the 2020 election. Gaslighting. And unfortunately, you have people who will think, oh, no, she didn't reject me. She thought she rejected me, but she didn't reject me. The reason why she didn't reject me is because I don't feel as though she rejected me. So therefore, what she said was moot. We're still going to try to be together. Ladies, does that sound familiar to some of you? We you try to break up with a guy and he's over talking you and talking around it like you didn't say anything. You have to remember, folks, even in a relationship, you can be rejected. They have this thing called suddenly single, meaning that your partner is so fatigued and tired of you. They may do something like ask for a sabbatical. And I have a podcast talking about the sabbatical. When your partner's asking for a sabbatical, usually that's bad news. That means that the relationship is on life support at best. Because at this point, what your partner is saying to you, I need to quit being intimate and close to you. I need to create some distance between us. And then eventually I need to cut off the communications. Now, the one thing that you have to realize about these sabbaticals, just as an aside, there are changes that are made by the time you guys get back together. Six months is usually the limit on a sabbatical. If your partner wants to go six months or longer or a year, let me tell you, more than likely the results are not going to be good. You know, it's just like they say in a jury trial. You know, if they take too long to come up with a verdict, the defense attorney is saying that's not a good sign. Same thing here. Now, here's what you have to understand, too, unless they have a holdout. But here's what you have to understand, too. You have to understand that when it comes down to rejecting someone or breaking up with them. You want to be empathetic, but not so empathetic until you wind up staying in the relationship out of guilt, blame, and shame. See, those three people, people pretty much work together. And I call them people for one thing. They all have a specific purpose when it comes to us. But these three elements have a specific purpose. The blame is used to extend responsibility. I'm not going to be responsible for rejecting me. You are. The shame is to make you feel conscious and doubtful about the choice you made. The guilt 
is to convey the injury that has occurred in this person's emotions. You've made them, you damaged them, you made them hurt. So with this, people will use this as a reprieve to get back into the relationship. More often than not, that partner does not, doesn't want to break up. They're bringing you flowers, bringing you roses, begging you back and all this other stuff. You know, it used to crack me up back in the 70s when these guys used to talk about, yeah, the only thing you have to do is just beg a woman, just sing a song and beg like Lenny, uh, what was his name? Uh, Lenny Williams, I think. Oh, 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 you, I love you. Fellas, don't do that shit. She's going to look at you like you're crazy. And here's the thing you got to remember. If you ever have to beg somebody, even though there's a popular song out now, Beg For You, I like it. It's got a good beat to it. But here's the problem. If you get to a point of begging a woman and she takes you back, every term that you can think of that she wants will be met in order for you to be back. Every condition. And guess what she's not going to do? Ever respect you? You see, a begging man only works with a woman with a low self-esteem. A woman who has dignity, who's confident, she's going to tell you, you know what? You're making a fool of yourself. That woman who has that low self-esteem, what she's going to do? She's going to feel guilty. She's going to start assuming blame and shame. Because she's not used to dealing with decisions that require emotions. You know, guys, when the woman rejects you and she says something and she's crying and she's telling you, well, we have to break up because uh, it's just not going to work between us. But she's the one initiating the breakup. I remember a lady broke up with me one time and she's crying. And I'm like, I don't know why you're crying. You're the one that's launching the guillotine. I'm the one that's laying there getting my head chopped off. And I'm not crying. I know, but it's it. And I'm like, really? I went on and left. She calling me back. I can't believe you just uh, and you just getting over us. Like, yeah, yeah, I am. That's the way life goes. Well, I don't understand. I said, let me tell you something. What would have happened if I was going to show up in order to be broken up with today and I had died in a car crash? Would it really matter? What would those tears be for then? They would be for me dying and your guilt. More so, you missing the routine of seeing me and your guilt for breaking up with me, right? That's all you think of me? No, but that's probably all you think of me. You see, what happens a lot of times with our emotions is based on how we feel about ourselves. It's not 
necessarily our feeling for others. We can empathize with people. You know, I look at these school shootings and stuff. I don't have a kid in school, but I can empathize with them because of the fact that I was in school once, like they were. I was fortunate because we didn't have those kind of shootings back then on a mass scale like they are now, for sure. But I can't feel that person's pain because I was not in their shoes. And we have to understand this from the perspective that when we break up with someone or we reject someone, yes, it's nice to be empathetic and considerate of that person's feelings, but what we also have to realize is this. You never were that person. You never went through their history. So you can't really empathize with some of the things that they're going through and how it affects them. I'm not saying you have to be callous. But the thing you have to do is remember, somebody has to be adult in the room. When you're breaking up with someone, if you're crying and that person's crying, trust me, more than likely it's going to be canceled out. I can't tell you how many couples I've seen. Wife getting ready to leave him for another man. He's crying, she's crying, and then they wind up fucking, and she gets pregnant. And now she wants to stay with her husband because of the child. Seen that happen more often than not. What I'm telling you, when you're dealing with this and you're getting ready to reject someone, understand to be firm. You want to be sensitive about the feelings, but the thing you want to do is make it as short as possible. You know, I had one friend of mine, she said what she likes to do is when she breaks up with a guy, she'll go on a date with him. I told her, you're asking for trouble. And then I asked her, I said, is the guy driving? She says, yeah, uh, men are supposed to drive and pick up their women to take them on dates. I said, you know what? The problem is you're entitled. What if that guy takes you on that date? You tell him you're breaking up. You're hoping that he takes you home. And, of course, she gives me this bullshit security blanket that women have sometimes. Oh, well, he wouldn't do that. He's not that kind of guy. Because the kind of guys that I date would never do that. You see how naive some people are? How the fuck are you going to go and tell somebody about someone else's capacity? mindset and experience and you know nothing about them internally like that you only can go by the choreographed behavior that they've given you that you see every time you meet them you don't know what that person's capable of all humans have the capacity to kill what you're hoping is that you don't find somebody that's going to use that but she really felt that comfortable doing it. Another thing too, you will find people who become obsessive 
based on rejection. In other words, that becomes motivation for them to become obsessive. If you would have broken up with them, they would have probably looked at it from the standpoint of, well, I'll go and find somebody else. But you know when you dig your heels in and you say something to the effect of, yeah, we we need to uh, start seeing other people. Why? What have I done? Because, see, that's the first thing that a person who's rejected is going to ask. What have I done? You know, ladies, when you tell a guy, oh, it's just me, that's a bullshit excuse. We know then you're trying to wiggle out of a relationship. A lot of women used to be mad at me when I tell them that shit when they're getting ready to break up with me. Well, you know, it's me. I just need some time. I'm going to give you all the time you need, like the rest of your life. What are you saying? It's done. Oh, so it's done like that? Yes. Would you like a program so you could flip the pages and see how done it is? It's done. But I thought that we could just take some time. Oh, we don't need to take any time. You said it was you. So I'm going to leave you with you. Because I need someone else in the relationship, and it's not going to be you. Sometimes people will do this to see how important they are to you with the breakup. That's another attention grabber, fellas, as well. Women do this, again, more than men do. Now, guys will threaten to break up for another woman. That's an attention grabber for men. Men use this a lot against women. But here's the thing. And I tell you the most fun. Let me tell you first the most fucked up thing a man can get into. Trying to leave his woman for another woman that has contingencies on her part. In other words, he can't make that smooth uh, transition from his woman to the other woman because she's got some circumstances she has to get through such as maybe a divorce, breaking up with a boyfriend, you name it. And he's over here talking shit to his woman, right? Oh, I'm going to leave you for her, blah, blah, blah. And she's trying to wash the dishes, giving him all the pussy in the world, doing everything in the world for this man to keep him at home. Well, here's the problem. He doesn't have his future secure with this other woman yet. So he's vulnerable. Now, women sometimes call the man's bluff. Oh, you want to be with her? Fine. And then she goes on and starts rebuilding her life. This is how women who don't go to the mat for a man wind up with their dignity, their self-identity, and everything else intact when they leave a relationship over something like infidelity where he's getting ready to go and move on to this other woman or thinks that he is but there's a contingency on her side you made the choice for him that's one thing people don't like it's for another person to make a choice for them remember what I told you people give you choices you make decisions 
That's the distinction. If you abide by their choices, that's all you get. I remember a lady one time told me I had no choice but to meet her standards and to go by what she has established. And I told her, I said, I appreciate your choice, but let me give you my decision. I'm not interested in you. Took away her power, took away everything that she had brought to the table. Because of one thing, she wasn't that valuable to me. And sometimes you have to be like that. I don't respond to ultimatums. I don't give them. Because the reason being, when a person capitulates due to an ultimatum, you have not won a victory. What you've done is created an adversary. You have to think about that. Oh, you think, oh yeah, well, He's going to do what I say or she's going to do what I... Not necessarily new. Those women that used to come to the bar and talk to me about their husbands, about their marriage, the shit that most people don't want to hear and they're, uh, you know, I don't know how you sat there and listened to all this shit. I look at it this way. They had a right to vent. I ain't had no problem with it. Hell, it didn't cost me any money. Because the only thing I was going to do with my time was drink that beer right there. Having a conversation was no big thing to me. Because the clock doesn't run me. I'm trying to run out the clock like a football team in the fourth quarter. Because I want to live and enjoy every moment of it. What am I going to do? Speed through life and not look up and say, Oh, damn, there are trees. There's an ocean. There's a mountain. Instead, just have my ass looking down that highway and seeing nothing but just lanes. A lot of you do that. Then before you know it, you start working at 20, then you're 40, and you haven't really had a chance to live yet. This is how, this is how you get these people in their 50s and 60s talking about some damn kayaking and skydiving and hiking and mountain climbing and all this shit. Because they let their lives pass them in real time. Knowing damn well they're too damn old to be jumping out of a damn plane. Probably have to be tethered to somebody else who's younger. That's the reason why I never date women that have bucket lists. I'm 60. I don't know. If you got a bucket list, I'm not interested in your ass. You, ain't, you haven't done the things you needed to do back then. Just doesn't interest me. That's the reason why I took my youth seriously. I'll give myself credit for that, if nothing else. The choices I've made in life, and trust me, I've made some mistakes, but the choices I made in life, I tried to have the least impact on someone else's life by making those choices. The decisions I made in life were based on things that would be in my best interest. And so by doing this, I kept myself where I always had options. I never waited the decisions where somebody 
could give me an ultimatum, do this or else. Because people treat you differently when they think that they have a lot of power and clout. You people now that are worried about your partner leaving you, and they threaten to leave. And every time you just circle the wagons and welcome in. No, no, you don't need to go, honey. This, this, that. No. Mm-mm. Go. Yes, emotionally you'll be missed a bit, but you know what? We're not going to have a funeral for your ass, so later. And a lot of times what we'll do, we will go, and unfortunately we do this as people. We overextend ourselves to people that don't really warrant it. I want you to remember one thing. If you're in a relationship with someone and they're pulling away from you, and you've tried your best in order to meet their demands, and it's still not working, why are you in a relationship by yourself? You don't know how many women that I used to always talk to, and even now through your emails, talking about, I'm married, we sleep in the same bed, we have sex, and even when he's inside of me, I still feel lonely. A woman wrote me about that out of Kansas City. And I told her straight up, you run out of love. A lot of people will say, oh, there's no such thing as running out of love. Yes, it is. Because what love is, for the most part, for most people, it's a delusion. Many times we embellish and make our partners greater than they are. Because we all have narratives for the person we would like in our lives. And that person might have fallen short. But we make excuses and exceptions for them, don't we? When I dated Monica, I was frustrated with her in some capacities. The fact that she didn't know some of the fundamental things that I knew as far as what it was like to be a working class guy. What it was like in order to try to make ends meet. She never had that problem. She never had a delinquent bill. Hell, far as I know, she never actually even saw a bill. They had people that took care of that. And so in a lot of ways, when we first started dating, I was kind of envious of that. But I had to realize, why should I be envious? She was more fortunate than I am by birthright. Why should I make her the brunt of my anger or the brunt of my frustration? It made no sense. I was the one with the problem, not her. So I can openly admit when I'm wrong. Some people can't. Because see, here's the thing. 
when you don't admit you're wrong at times, you're being disingenuous to yourself. Again, people treat you according to the way you treat yourself. More in a moment. Now, what's another component of rejection that we find repugnant? Being singled out as the person that's not wanted or liked. That's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? But see, that only happens if you personalize it. So if I went to the bank at 7 o'clock in the morning, and maybe the janitor's still there just making sure that they've cleaned up everything, Should I expect a janitor to open the door for me as a customer? Of course not. Now, would that janitor do that to anyone else that walks to that door? Everyone that's not supposed to be in that building, right? So how could you personalize rejection? Because that's the same concept. So, take for instance, a person doesn't like to date African-American men as Plenty of women have told me in the past. And if I get rejected on that friend, oh, I don't date black guys. And as I told you before, I've been told that by every race of woman too. But mainly here in the United States. Never got told that over in Europe, UK, Asia, Africa. Only here. Only in the United States have I ever been rejected by every race of woman based on my race. Black women included. I thought I'd never see the day that that would happen. But it did several times over. But one thing that I realized, I didn't feel singled out. And I know some people are like, well, you know, what if what if he's lighter or whatever? I don't look at it that way. You made that choice, that's on you. Okay, fine. I move on. But see, here's the thing too. When we look at rejection, we have to consider a few factors that are involved with it. That person apparently saw something in you or there was something about you that they didn't find tasteful for them to go forward with you in a relationship. You don't know what it is. They're not going to tell you what it is. The woman's not going to tell you, I can't date you because your hairline's receding. I can't date you because your feet are too big or your eyes are too close together. Some will when they're trying to exploit you and make you, of course, the laughing stock. But the reason why that happens, you got to remember, they're doing that for entertainment. They're doing that for attention to them. That's what that's about. They're using you as a catalyst in order to make themselves feel better about themselves. That's all that is. But more often than not, they'll lie and say something like, I'm married. And fellas, let's go over some of the uh, routine playbook rejections 
that women will use. I'm married. I'm seeing someone. I'm engaged. I'm not ready to date right now. I just got out of a relationship. My family wouldn't approve. I don't date this kind of guy. You're not my type. All of these are deflective moves in order to just say, you know what? You're not someone I'm interested in. Now, that sounds harsh and blunt, right? But we're so politically correct. We lie to each other every day. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? You know, my damn back hurt. Because you told the truth. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And what are they doing? They're walking away from your ass. But what they would like to hear is, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And then they feel better about themselves because they spoke to somebody and somebody else was feeling great and made them feel great. I know that feeling wasn't just in me. That other person had that feeling too. It's all about them, folks. All about them. Now, there are a couple of other things we need to look at as well. And Janine writes this brief email message I just got here. Could you please tell me where can I find your music? Janine, you can find my music. And folks, you can find my music at Apple Music or Spotify. Under Apple, you just put in J-A-U-S-A-N, separate word, music, and have a playlist there. You could also go to Spotify, type in J-A-U-S-A-N, my music's there. You can look under artists and you'll find me. And then you can just go on J-A-U-S-A-N and you can just go, go through the song, see which one you like, doesn't matter. Hope that answers your question, my dear. All right, now, another thing we have to look at. We have to look at Oh, and also it's on Amazon Music as well. Our Deezer, our uh, podcast is on iHeart. But on Deezer, we're on there as well. All right, let's go on. Another thing, folks, that we have to look at too. We have to understand that when it comes down to rejection, some people look at that as motivation to pursue you even more. What they're trying to do at that point, they're trying to, in a way, hold you accountable for rejecting them. In other words, you might say something like, well, yeah, uh, you're a little bit too conservative for me. Oh, that guy's not going to give up. What is he going to do? Get a tie-dyed shirt, some damn uh, John Lennon glasses, and come over to you in a pair of blue jeans. I know I'm exaggerating there, but these guys will do things like that. They will do whatever it takes in order to try to not feel bad. Now you have some people that don't mind being rejected 
as long as they're rejected by someone that they hold in high esteem. So this guy may go and date the, try to date the finest woman ever. Let's say she's a celebrity and he's a nobody. For instance, when I say nobody, I don't marginalize people. I mean from the standpoint that he's not famous, not rich. And he may see her at a restaurant. As my friend saw this one actress there one time, and he got this, but she was nice about it. And she told him, I'm preoccupied with my career. I don't have time for a relationship. And he was cool with that. He asked her for it, the graph took a selfie with her, and he was happy. But here's the thing. A lot of times, people will go for someone that's way out of their league because, see, that level of rejection actually boosts their self-esteem. So they'll go and say, oh, I tried to date so-and-so and she turned me down because that's a sense of pride. I got turned down by a professional. I didn't get turned down by an amateur. So, in that sense... When they go for someone that's, of course, not so wealthy or whatever, they have a little attitude. Because what has happened, they've been rejected by people that they deem better than the person that they're now dealing with. So they may be a little bit more narcissistic based on that. There are some people that find actual um, refuge in that. Now, there are also others that look at rejection as a compliment. Self-esteem so low, they can't even walk past it. They're tripping over it. Bam! But this is an expectation they have. And they deliberately go out of their way to be rejected. Because failure is actually celebrated by people like this. The things that most people would enjoy, they're counter-normative. They want the opposite. These are the people that would be on a flight and say, you know what, I hope the plane crashes because they want excitement. Because they've set the expectation for it to be negative. And you have some people that are just like that through and through. So you have all different types that you deal with. And there's a variety of ways people handle rejection. Good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. That's the security team barking in the background because a bird has landed in the backyard. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, when it comes down to actually, hmm, how could I best say it? I wouldn't say breaking up with them. Take, for instance, you're in a situation, you're on a date. And you already decided that you want to end the relationship. And you're trying to bring the conversation to a point where 
you can kind of lay the framework for the breakup. Where a lot of people run into difficulty here is that what's the best solution for most now, especially in an electronic environment? It's ghosting. Well, you're on a date with someone and you don't want to necessarily ghost them, but the relationship is pretty much in the doldrums, dead. Some things you could do. Hey, so if we're not together, what do you plan on doing with your future? Hey, what do you mean we're not together? What are you talking about? No, I'm just saying hypothetically if we weren't together. Oh, I'd probably go on and date your best friend. I'd probably do this or do that. reason why I'm saying this is because a lady actually asked me this one time when she was going to break up with me. And she says, well, what are your future plans if we don't make it? I already knew our relationship was on the rocks. The reason being, her career eclipsed everything. Family, friends, everything. And I told her, I said, you know what? I'm going to talk to your best friend. Why? That was the first thing out of my mouth. Why? I said, because she has time. I've talked to her more over the phone than I have you. Because you've always had her call me to tell me why you couldn't make the date. So as I see it, should be a better deal. She did break up with me, no problem. But she left herself open. Now, that's one thing you could do. You could find out exactly the intentions of the person beyond you. In other words, what you're doing is softening the blow. Because by this time, they know that you're leaving them. Now, you have to be careful about the person you say something like this to. That volatile fool that's going to go off and act a damn fool, you can't do that with. you got to protect your personal safety. So that means that you're going to have to do it at a distance. I had a friend of mine one time, his girlfriend was so afraid of him, and he wasn't violent or nothing like that, but because he was big, she thought he was going to try to act a fool. She wrote him a letter while she was at her grandmother's house in Virginia. She lived in L.A. Telling him it was over. She had already broke the lease at her apartment. She wasn't coming back to L.A. But she said, let bygones be bygones. He was fucked up for a while emotionally. Mad at the world, mad at women in general. And I told him, I said, none of these women did anything to you but that one. And you don't need to get mad at her. She's just one among many. But man, you don't know how she makes... I said, well, here's the thing. You're going to give her that much power to still make you feel this way after she's gone? You're the only person feeling this way. You don't understand. Yeah, I do. You know when people die? Yeah, we're sad that they passed away. Hell, I was fucked up when my mother died. Dad, too. 
I was all fucked up when they died. But the one thing I had to realize, they weren't coming back. So why the hell am I feeling bad? Because I still have to go on. And if I didn't get something from them that will carry me on forward, I did them and myself a disservice by knowing them because I didn't learn from them. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Pivoting your life around one person who has the capacity to break you down by leaving you, you're in bad shape. You know that 10% of objectivity I tell you to keep? No matter who you meet, who you love, who you like, you always keep that 10%. The reason being, if you give them 100%, and when I say 100%, I'm talking about 100% as far as trusting them without any boundaries, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because at any point, if that person sees that that's a weakness, even though you have the greatest intentions, they're going to use that against you. So you want to keep that 10%, just in case. They could be influenced by other people. I had a friend of mine one time that got actually cheated out of a relationship because this woman joined a church. This church they joined, she went in there with the pastor telling him about how they were living in sin. Pastor said, nope, ain't gonna have it in this church. You got to get married. They'd only known each other six months. And she's a pushing up on him for marriage. And he was telling me about it, and I told her, that's too soon. You don't know her that well. And I tell them, she did a power move on you. She wants you to get married to her. And the way she did it was by joining that damn church. And that's going to put all the power on, pressure on you because now she has a chorus of people telling you get married well he went and talked to his mom mom told him you'd be the biggest damn fool in the world to marry that girl he capitulated and married her marriage lasted about eight months eight months I think they got it annulled I'm not sure but I know one thing his ass was out there and in the clubs again after eight months. I remember that. Because she wanted him to sign over his whole life to that religion and to her. And I told him, I said, really, if you look at it, that was all insecurity. She was afraid you were going to leave her. So she had to have some equity stake in you. And the best way to do it is to get your ass in that church where you feel guilty. And she was rest assured that she was your wife and you weren't going to go anywhere because it was going to cost you money. But you went on and got married anyway and you realized. Fortunately, they didn't have too many assets together.
Now, another thing about rejection that we also have to consider. When you are rejected, they're observers sometimes. You know, I'll never forget, I was at the Glendale Galleria one evening and did some shopping there. And there was this guy and he was on his knees crying. And this lady was standing there with her shopping bags. And apparently it was his girlfriend. And he's asking why, 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 and all this stuff. And he's all loud. And he said, I'll do anything for you. I bought you these clothes. I bought you this. I bought you that. And she wasn't having it. And one of the guys walked past and said, man, get up off the damn floor and quit being a pussy. And of course, he jumped to his feet and wanted to fight the guy. Security broke it up. That woman walked away from him like he was trash. He's running after her, and she's running. And it was pathetic. Don't let yourself get in that position, whether you're a man or a woman. I've seen women beg for men. I've seen women sleep with other men to try to prove their loyalty to a guy that they were after. Dude told this lady, if you really love me, you'll sleep with my brother. And she did. She was his fool. The one thing I want you to take away from this, folks, is do not allow rejection, your reaction to it, to make you a damn fool for someone. Don't take it personally because it can happen to anyone. And the next thing to keep in mind, whatever recommendations they try to give you if they're breaking up with you or telling you you need to do this or do that, that's only their opinion on you. One opinion that's insignificant because that person doesn't know what you've gone through. Fuck them and their opinion. You keep yourself intact. Protect your mental health by not getting too involved in these bullshit relationships. If they're playing games, wanting to break up with you every once in a while, just say, fuck it, we're done. And walk away and mean it. The more you play that yo-yo game with them breaking up with you, coming back together, breaking up with you, coming back, they're going to take you for granted. And you'll never be taken seriously in a relationship. When you make that decision and you're done, that definitive decision and you're done, if they were bluffing, the joke's on them. If you're going to break up with someone, Instead of sitting there crying with them, yeah, true enough, you're going to be emotional and all that shit. You might as well tell them. Ladies, it's best to tell the guy if it's safe to tell him. Because there's some guys that are going to go off and break shit and do all kind of crazy things. You want to be in a public place if you are going to break up with someone, if you're going to do it face to face. But you got to prep them prior to that so they will know. 
If he's violent, nope, you don't need to be there. You could ghost him. I don't recommend it, but you can't. Usually when a person is ghosted, they're going to try even harder to find you to get answers, to get closure. Some of you have to realize that in some cases there will be no closure. Your closure is the end of the relationship. They close the door. We have to consider the fact that we're rejected every day and don't realize it. Those people that are fallen every day, those people that die every day, life rejected them. And I don't say that as if it's their fault because we're so conscious of everything being in our willpower. It's not. It's life. You got to remember, we all showed up on this planet not knowing what the fuck we were or where we, how we got here or anything outside of sex. Life is under no contractual obligation to ensure that we live any time on it. We just live in the moment. We can plan for the future and hope things work out. But we also have to look at it when we die. Life has rejected us as well. And what do we do as human beings? Yes, we grieve. But what do we also do? We reject acknowledging that they're still alive, don't we? I know it's a hard thing to really, you know, process, but that's what it comes down to. I don't mean to be flippant about it at all. Some of you have lost loved ones. I've lost loved ones. And I know. And I know one day... I'm going to try to wake up, and more than likely I won't. But the sun is still going to probably come up. People go to their jobs. People have babies. People have relationships. People will have funerals. I won't be among them. I'll be dead. And I'm okay with that. So, rejection has many forms that we don't really look at and really think about. But what we have to understand is that through it all, it's part of our existence. Take care, folks. Pleasure talking to you. Once again, you can listen to the playlist, Apple Music, J-A-U-S-A-N, we're on YouTube, Amazon Music, Deezer, Spotify for sure. Take care. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at anchor.fm backslash romantic truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at romantictruthpodcast at gmail.com. Take care.
Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.